0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to New Dimensions with your host, Reverend Nicholas Barrett. Our identities are not labels, identifying who we are to others. Rather, they are found in God's riches, His likeness, and character. We can discover our true selves and live the way He has intended for us to live. Now, here is Reverend Nicholas
2: Barrett. Hello, it's Nicholas Barrett. Welcome to the show. We're going out live from Los Angeles, California And the great thing is wherever you are in the world, we're breaking history. We're in this moment for the first time, which means all things have passed, all things are new. And that really levels the playing field wherever we are, whatever our financial position, whatever our health situation, whatever our circumstances, we have a brand new moment. And it's faith beyond this moment. We haven't seen it, but in faith, we know that it's going to become manifest. So I just want to welcome you. Whether you've listened to this show a hundred times or it's your first time, I really want to thank you for making it part of your day. I'm really grateful for you, and I'm believing together that we'll sow seeds that will bring even greater harvests in your life. Shifts can only happen when you trigger something that's first in a seed form. It's our thoughts and what we focus on whether we're reading things, whether we're hearing things that can then become manifest through our mind. So really your focus, your current focus will determine your future destination. And as the Bible says, as you think, so you are in your actions. So it's very important to be aware of our thoughts. What are we thinking? Because it's going to give us the future sometimes that we want and sometimes that we don't want. So I'm sensing uh, a sudden shift coming for people, a sudden shift. It's a time of renewal. It could be a healing of a marriage, a sickness, a depression, or just general negative thinking. So I'm sensing a new dimension for your life today. And the question I ask you is, why not you? Why not you? So before we get into the title of this week's show, I have a story that can get our minds ready for a shift in thinking. The mind has to be prepared, just like a race car, it does several warm-up laps. It has to be prepared to be opened, to leave the daily routine and be able to just be open to receive information. It's what you do with the information, ultimately, that transpires, whether that's going to turn into wisdom and whether it's going to turn into changes in your life. I have a story. It's actually a moving story, but it's very empowering. The story was written in, in 2015, May 27th, about a year ago. It's in Acton, California, by KABC News. Eugene Yu is hiking the entire state of California to try and help another man walk. He says, I've loved every single step of this journey, he said. About a year ago, Yu decided he wanted to pay forward with his life in some way. So he spotted Arthur Renewiski on a social media website. Renewiski frequently posts pictures of his rehabilitation process from a paralyzing gunshot wound. After being shot during a robbery in 2007, Whiskey founded a Life Goes On Foundation, and he speaks to children around the world about nonviolence and spinal cord injuries. His message is simply to keep pushing. Life goes on and to never give up. So you were so moved by Whiskey's messages that he sent him a Facebook message. He reached out to him blindly and said, I'd like for you to achieve your dream to walk again. So he pitched him this idea of walking the state of California to help him raise money to walk again. It's just amazing that he wanted to do something like this for me, Ron Whiskey said in his mind. I don't know one person who'd do this for me. So you, the walker, trained for months and began the more than 1,700-mile journey from California to the Mexican border with its border to Oregon. It will take him around four months to complete this walk. and is mostly surviving on dehydrated foods and various P.O. boxes that he mailed food along the way. So in Acton, Renewiski met up with him, and he gave him an In-N-Out burger. He said, there's no way I can repay you, and I'll be forever grateful. So it's important. It's going to cost $80,000 for him to have these artificial legs put on, and he began training with these robotic legs that allow him to stand up and walk. So after seven long years of fighting... To see me standing up at my feet, it has a big effect on him, not only by his family and friends, but on his journey. So the question I ask you today is, what thing could you do outside of yourself that would be greater? And Epictus tells us men are not disturbed by events, but by their views of which they take of the events. And I really ask us, how do we see events? Do you see tragedy as an opportunity? Do you see the dark in our world as an opportunity to shine your light even more brightly? Remember, we need tragedy for the miraculous to come through, hate for love to excel, and darkness so light can triumph. So the story was really one of a man putting his priorities aside to help raise money for someone who was shot and paralyzed in, a, in an act of crime. But because he's doing this, Rino Whiskey now has his legs. So if we really took the focus off ourselves for just a few minutes each day to do an act of service, for a person in need, we have over seven billion people in the world, very simply would soon change the world. So we need to live not by being apathetic or complaining, but by being the change that we want to see in the world. And I hope this has inspired some of us just to think beyond where we are right now. And we all are the answer. We're not individually the answer, but collectively, if one person does something and collectively we all do it, that, that's the big change. But I'm excited about this message. The title I have for you today is Trapped in Outcomes. You know, we're all busy in our everyday lives, whether we're home, work, wherever we may be, we're busy in the process of life. The time we have will always be the same. We have 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. However, as life goes by, it appears to be going by faster and faster. When we take on the misconception that we never seem to have enough time to achieve the things we want, we seem to take on that misconception. Do you often find yourself saying to yourself, I don't have enough time, I'm in a rush, how am I going to get things done? I think we all get caught up in that trap from time to time. I know speaking from experience, I do. But it's really how you view your time which is central to how you experience it. As your view on it determines how you feel about it and ultimately what you choose to do with your time. The big thing is if we can get this around our heads, it may change our lives is that the time will never change and it's not the time in your life but the life in your time that can make that change your journey has already been set for this precise time in eternity the start middle and the end is already predestined for you to be a victor in your individual story if you can think of life as a pilgrimage as opposed to a journey of incidences coincidences a or chance It will instead be one of discovery in the faith that there is a greater purpose than merely walking from point A to B in your life. Very often, we get to a place of boredom, mundanity, and dissatisfaction as we've put all our lives as a hostage to outcomes with expectations and then results of those expectations to be on our timetable. This focus on outcomes predicates all of our stresses, our disappointments, our apathy, our helplessness. We live angst-ridden as opposed to spirit-driven. I don't believe that our journey is a problem for any of us, but the way that we see it, it's not that life caused us to go down a path and let us down as much as our expectations of the outcomes and their time frames. The blame is not on faith, but our lack of it. If we cannot experience or be aware of our true values, our greater meaning or greater blessings of just being alive, If you want to experience a more rewarding life, you must first turn up your faith button to believe that there is a masterpiece version of you to be claimed at the end of your journey. Life is a process of perfecting and not a process of dying like the enemy has deceived you into believing. We don't live to die. We live to perfect ourselves, become a greater version of us to become more effective and to have greater purpose. You know, just like a piece of gold is perfected by the heat of a flame, so we can assume that our journey will be a long one of attrition, it'll have lots of tests and lots of challenges. Our outlook is therefore the key to the masterpiece to be revealed, which is in all of us. This realization frees us from the bondage of outcomes and timetables, as this is the universal human default button, our universal human condition. If we don't make a shift and raise, our awareness of this we will remain trapped in outcomes, which will affect us one way if they happen how we expect and on our time frame, and another way if they don't happen the way we want and on our time frame. Within a more mindful approach, you can open up and challenge your human mind to be more aware that you're not here merely to strive or to live and die, but to thrive in your refining process, to discover the masterpiece that God has put in, in the inside of you. Your life journey and its experiences create you to be a sharper blade to then be used by God to be a world changer. It's from what you've discovered within that can be then used from without. It's the internal revelation that then becomes an external manifestation. It's always from the inside out. So the question i ask you today, friend, is how many potential blessings have you walked away from because something didn't happen exactly the way you wanted or on your time frame. We must stop putting a due date on God as he operates on due seasons. It's all about seasons, not on dates. It could be having a child, being married, leaving your job to pursue a dream, a life dream you've always had. It could be buying a home. It could be getting free of an addiction or just breaking free of general mind general depressive thinking that's getting you down. Negative thinking is a big thing today. You know and God knows what it is for you. It could be any of those things. I don't know. He knows and you know. Today can be new. It can be a new start, a new chance in your life. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, let us not become weary in doing good for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I'm feeling this really strongly. Sometimes we do good things But we don't get good back. But if we do not continue to do good, there is no chance that good will come back. So let me explain this a little further. You need to do things regardless of their outcome. You need to have an outlook that what I am planting will come back as great fruit. It's not based upon other people. Your walk cannot be based on other people's stamps. It needs to be based on your conviction and your persevering surrender to walking out to be the higher version of you. And that message, again, is is for somebody. So how do we go from outcomes to outlooks? You know, when your mind shifts from outcomes to outlooks, you can see and embrace God's master plan for your life and begin a transformation process that will become the greater version of you. The answers to all your quests for meaning and purpose can only truly be attained within a God-focused outlook. as not the human version, because our human, human version edits opportunities into outcomes and timetables. We're programmed by society to do that. You know, we've got to realize God's not limited by timetables, as he can turn all things around in your life and never runs out of time. As we're all created in his image and likeness, we therefore function better the way we were made in outlooks with an eternal focus. It's not what you do, but what you really leave behind that will count. Life and its deeper purpose are in the things money cannot buy and death cannot steal. We can get to a place in life where we've tried working harder, dating more, taking more vacations, having more children, all of the mores, all of the I need to get more. But we get to a point that we've lived to the song of the world Let's get this at this time. Let's look this way and that way. This is the outcome that I need to make me happy. But have you really ever stopped to critically think why you feel that your outcomes will be the secret treasure to fill your empty chest? You want to get to this place in your career, to get married, a person that fills a mold, make a certain amount of money, match yourself to others, your parents, societal expectations, a retirement plan, and a 401k with all your ducks in order. Does this sound like you or anyone that I'm speaking to today? With all this thinking, what transpires is that some of these things happen, but to keep it 100% real, many of them don't. And this leaves you disappointed. It leaves you disillusioned, apathetic, tired, and to be honest, a little saddened as your outcomes list has just not been met. All of the answers are within you. But in our human propensity, we're pulled to venture away from God's plan to try and do our own thing, to try and discover the deeper meaning of life. Our transcendent life has been obscured by our ways of thinking and living, the feelings of disillusionment, mundanity, and perhaps depression as a result that we've been living out of alignment with the way that God designed us to live. All of the outcomes that have failed to meet your criteria to life have become like a bank account with only money that has been withdrawn and no deposits put back. We're in a constant tussle between world-designed and God-designed living. We're uncomfortable as we're living like a fish out of water, striving but not thriving because we're attempting to redesign our original design. The eventuality is that we have an irrepressible desire to find the secret, as we're weary of what life has afforded us and need to come to terms that the key is not Outside is always within. But we've walked all the while being deceived, looking for something outside. You know, it takes this moment of pain, it's a painful moment of darkness to come to the realization that all along we've been sold a lie. And that there was a light all the while right alongside us. It was God's hand waiting for us to grab hold of it to take us on our true journey, the one he planned for us. There is not a day goes by without him crying for us with signs and wonders calling us home. It can be in various forms. It can be an inner feeling of inspiration. It can be a worship song. The amazing flight of a a flock of birds, waves crashing onto a shoreline. Blanketing blue as your skies are feeling so deep within us that something ignites us to feel a longing for connection to something bigger than ourselves. Whatever I look at nature or mountains or oceans, it inspires something that is bigger than our problems, bigger than our life and bigger than our peripheral vision. So it's out of this mundanity and the inner restlessness of being without a deeper meaning, which is where we are now, that gives us a desire and need to seek something less surface and superficial that the world offers us. So we need this feeling in order to inspire or challenge to, to explore more. It's like if you're in a dark box, the temptation of getting out of that box is because you're in that dark box. There's constantly going to be a battle of the societally conditioned version of you, which is the societally conditioned mind, which is your false self, and the hidden self, which is the real you, the one you were created to be. And Isaiah 4.3 tells us, And I will give you treasures hidden in darkness, secret riches. I will do this so that you know that I am Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you home. So in this context, God is addressing a Persian king called Cyrus, who God calls His anointed Cyrus serves on two platforms as a temporal deliverer of God's people, uh, also as an illustration of Jesus, the eternal Redeemer. On the night the Persians captured Babylon, some of the men entered on dry river beds and opened the gates to their armies the, from the inside. So, in God's purpose for Cyrus, He promised to clear the impediments to His progress. In other words, to clear the progress. So that he would give Cyrus the treasures of darkness. This referred to the wealth of the vanquished pagan nations, which was customary concealed in subterranean vaults at that time. Thus, they're called treasures of darkness. So treasures will come from darkness spiritually and actually physically. They're also called the hidden riches of secret places. So what this means to get to your higher self, you'll need to make a shift to see that the world's ways have hidden the true meaning of your life. And I'm going to put this into a parable. The world has obscured you and hidden the true meaning of life from you. It's been hidden from your sight by societal ways and patterns. So you need to make a sudden paradigm shift to see the gold in your life. So when you change the way that you see your life, your life will begin to make those changes. So remember, as a day goes by, there is one day less in your journey. So there's no better time than making a shift right now. Your life is predestined and there is a clock that's ticking all the time with an ever-present call for your return home, your eternal spirit and finding its eternal resting place. We're about to take a break, and in the second segment, I'm going to talk more about how do we focus our life on outlooks, how do we move away from outcomes, and we're going to enjoy the break. It's been great having you this first segment, and I look forward to talking to you in the second segment.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches? Ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, Building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose?
1: tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guests today, please call in to one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions.
2: Welcome back to the second segment. Uh, presenting the show live on the Voice America platform. It goes out Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. There's a lot to say on these shows, and I try and give you really five hours worth of material in one hour. But if you want to access the shows again, we are on the iTunes platform and just put in new dimensions and you'll be able to to listen to these messages again. So we're talking today about trapped in outcomes, how society has conditioned us to have a time frame and expectations of certain things to happen according to our plan. We're talking about how we're going to get out of outcomes and how we're meant to function by God on an outlook. We are eternal spirit-made beings having a human moment, not human beings in a spiritual moment. We, We must remember we're going to eternity. What we're in is a container of a body and this is not really us, but it's it 's a container for us, just like a box of chocolates. the box isn 't the chocolates the content is but we 're talking about more on how to focus on outlooks. We talked about how the clock is ticking on our lives, just like a lease on a car has a predestined time that it'll be handed in, whether it's three years or five years. God has the lease hand-in date. And just think about it, every day you're ticking is like a mile on that car. That's why each day is important. And I always look at, my outlook is always Lord, if this is my last day, how would I see it? And it's amazing. The chats at Starbucks are more purposeful at five or six o'clock in the morning. The coffee tastes different. The sky tastes different. The birds taste different. My attitude's more grateful. I'm more grateful for what I've got so I can offer myself as a sharper blade. So really when you change the way you see something, it changes. We don't know when our last day will be. We always say we're 18. We've got lots of time or we're 50. But I've had friends of mine giving me me A box with ashes of an eight day old baby in that box. I had a friend that called me up and said, Pastor, my school phone, my 13 year old son died on the soccer field. I had another message that someone had rolled their car and they had to go and identify the boy was a 21 year old boy. So there really is time, you know, time knows no bounds, death knows no bounds. So it's so important that really to embrace the power of this moment. It's not an outcome, it's an outlook. We know the outcome is great because we're going back home, but how is your outlook? James tells us, James 4 tells us, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I mean, this ought to really in itself take us away from outcomes. It's, It's outlook. It's futile to speak of outcomes when tomorrow, what this really means is, it's futile to speak of outcomes when tomorrow is not even promised. We don't know what the next minute offers us as life is utterly precarious and God has not created anything in his creation, man or animal, to command one moment of what the future holds for them. So nothing created knows the future, man or animal. If we knew the future, we really wouldn't need faith, I mean, to be honest with you, as it would be like walking into a movie theater and knowing the start middle and the end of the new movie you're about to see. God only knows the start, the middle, and the end. That's why he wants us really to be fully dependent upon him. Remember, faith is the substance of things that you hope for, but the evidence of things that you've not yet seen. So really to keep us stable in all this uncertainty, The media can't be an anchor for our soul because that fluctuates. Relationships can't because they fluctuate. Marriages can't because six out of 10 end up in divorce. Friends can't, brothers can't, people can't. So your only anchor is God. God is an anchor for your soul. He keeps you fixed and stable for this journey that's unseen. And it's all going to be unseen. Everything we've passed is now gone. It's it's futile to look back at it because the potential is always in the step forward. So looking more about how we're going to focus more on outlooks. There comes a point in life that you need to let go of pride and accept that you do not know the answers. But in letting go, something bigger than yourself can then come in. And then all those answers become revealed. So really when we lessen ourselves, we're then open to know more and then we're able to find more answers because our pride sometimes will want to convince us that we're right. And in that convincing, it blocks any knowledge coming in. I know it, I know it, I know it. We can't learn that mode. So you have to be prepared and open in a position to learn. And really the more I know, the more I know I know, the more I know I don't know. I thought having all this knowledge with psychology would get me to know, but I only know really a little bit because if my plumbing goes wrong, the person who comes who's an expert fixes it. If my computer goes wrong, the person who opens it fixes it. I haven't got a clue. So we all have specialized knowledge. So Those of us who are not able to ask simply will not receive and will live their lives weary, cynical, and still searching for meaning. You know, you may be busy, but something will still feel off center with you. So unless you make a sudden shift, we can be like a hamster in a cage. That hamster is, as you know, is turning on that wheel faster and faster and faster, but not certain of why it's on the wheel and where it's going. We can in life very much be that way, just like the hamster on the wheel. We all have a divine plan, a divine master plan. Call it a God plan, call it a divine plan. It's a master plan. You must just find your own master plan. Until you find it, you'll never fully grasp the magnificent journey and gift that life is. Instead, you'll remain like that hamster on the wheel. Each day, you're presented with a choice. Do I keep walking on that wheel, or am I going to start walking on purpose? So I ask you today, are you just walking your life out, or are you walking it on purpose? Matthew tells us, the scripture 25, the parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and trusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. He then went away. He who had received five talents went out and traded those at once, and he made five more talents. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more he who had received the one talent went and dug the thing in the ground. Now, after a long time, the master who dispensed the money came back and wanted to settle the accounts with his servants. I'm going to be brief as the timetable for the show is a lot of information to cover, but I'll get to the point on this, what it really means. In this parable, a rich man delegates the management of his wealth to his servants, much like an investor in today's markets. He gives five talents a large amount of money in those days to the first servant, two to the second, and one to the third. So to understand this, two of the servants earn 100% return by trading what they had. But the third servant who hid the money in the ground, obviously he earned nothing. So the rich man returns. He rewards the two that made money but severely punishes the one who did nothing. So how this will really translate, you may think why I'm reading this, how it translates to my life and your life is that God gives us various unique abilities for our journey. This is called your life, which you can then use for good or for destructive worldly purposes. So God gives gives us each abilities, not the same abilities as I explained to you about the electrician and the computer expert, but ones to complete your individual story. The number of talents given to you is determined by the number of natural gifts you possess. You are then given heaven's resources to complete your earthly walk. So the key thing to embrace in all this is that God loves us all equally, and he has given each person a wide variety of gifts, but he expects us to employ those gifts in his service. It's not acceptable to merely put those gifts in a closet or ignore them or lay on the couch. Like the three servants, we do not have gifts of the same degree. So the return God's expects of us is commensurate with the gifts that you've been given. So the the servant who received one talent was not condemned for failing to reach a five-talent goal. He was condemned because he did nothing with what he was given. So the gifts we receive from God include your skills, your abilities, your social positions, your education, your life experiences. All of these things that have become you are your gifts. So the point of this parable is that we're to use or whatever we've been given for God's purposes. So the severe consequences to an unproductive servant was his apathetic character. This can sound like a lot of us. We're very apathetic because a lot of things distract us. So it tells us really what this really means. And the powerful things is it tells us we need to invest our lives and not waste them not waste them on complaining and and saying what a bad time we had or comparing ourselves to others, just to embrace what we've had, use that for our good, because there's something great in all of us. We were all created as a masterpiece, and we have to find that. We need to break out of our minds. You know, it could be we don't have to be something wonderful. We just need to be available. We don't need to be rocket scientists to achieve great things. Jesus was a carpenter's son. He was a carpenter. We don't need to be something Sometimes we're focused on having to be wonderful and we spend our time perfecting, but we're never achieving. Not about that. Life will will process you. Life will perfect you and make you better. It could be helping elderly people. It could be giving kind words to someone who's homeless, picking them up uh, with your words. It could be helping raise funds for abused animals, abused children. It could be you're a chef that takes food to people who are in need. It could be you're an architect designing buildings, a plumber that you can give an act of service to somebody. In short, when we make our lives about others, and this is the key, when we take our focus away from ourselves and make it about others, we're then universal. We have seven billion potential because that's the universe, not ourselves, which is very little potential. And we're here, basically turn all that glory to God. He gave me this ability, gave me this ability to do the show. I wouldn't be doing it. I'd still be probably in Starbucks trying to get something for myself 10 years ago, like I used to be, festering on why things have gone wrong and why mother died and why this happened, angry and resentful and trying to buy more things. So <laughs> it's about really taking the focus off you and putting it off others. And then you're, you're here from God at the end of your journey. The most important thing is not how you start it, not how you are now, but how you finish. Well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of your life. You know, it's not rocket science as explained. It's a heart issue. The world looks for better systems. The church is looking for better systems, but ultimately God is looking for better people and that's you. I mean, this is an even playing field. We can all do something Good, we can all make a change. It's totally even. It doesn't matter whether you're the king or whether you're a person in the street. you have a, a tool inside of you that can do something good in this world. So let's look at the process, I've talked about life as a process of perfecting. Let's take a, a look at this and how we can shift our minds. We are all at work, we are all at work. life is a is a working process, as I told you. But in order to embark on the process of life as a journey of perfection, you need to must first change your focus from a world-conscious one to a God-conscious one, as the former one brings you only struggle. And it's only the God one that brings you into alignment with your higher self, your state of being, how you were created. So very simply, your focus can determine your life. Let me give you an example. If you're ungrateful or you have unforgiveness towards a parent or focus on your lack, you get more of what it is you focus on. So in other words, what you think and say will bring more of what you think and say. Two people can have the same amount of money in their pockets, but one lives in scarcity and the other has all they need because it's very simply their outlook and focus that have ultimately created their reality, not their outcome, their outlook. We don't know their outcome because that's in faith. It's unseen. Are you beginning to get this? So this translates to you not getting what you want, but getting what you are. And it's I'll repeat this. This translates to you not getting what you want, but getting what you are. You know, there are only really two ways to live. You can either live in fear or live in faith. Each of these will bring totally different characteristics in you. They'll bring different things out of your personality. So when you put on the news media, you're living in fear. But when you get aligned with the world... And its propensity for fear, instead of the God consciousness, you just keep attracting more fear, more stuff to be afraid of, more shortages, more wars, more car chases, more killing and more diseases, more of how bad it is. So we need to get our God conscious focus on and not our world conscious. Remember, the world has created all of these problems out of separation to God. It's the me, it's the I, it's the ego, which is in separation. But as you and I know... If the world was not in the mess that it is right now, we wouldn't need to be having this show. It's because it's in this mess that, quite clearly, we need to stimulate in us so we can be the change. We are spreaders of a beacon. You can spread the light that you learn from the wisdom that you hear and then put it into action. So the key, really, to life being the process of perfecting is, again, outlooks, not outcomes. When my outlook is on God, I adopt his characteristics. I am love. I see things as possible. I do not judge. I live and let live. I'm compassionate. I'm kind. I'm patient. I don't get down on myself because things don't happen the way I want or on my time frame. I don't give up on something that I want to change because I know God works all things for good, even at times that I cannot see them. I mean, there are many times, to be honest, that I can't see them until I'm in them and I'm in a higher place sometimes because I've become uncomfortable and my faith has enabled me to withstand the discomfort, but that's become my new level. To go to a new level, very simply, we need to be uncomfortable. If I'm holding a 30-pound weight and I've only ever experienced a 20-pound weight, I'm 50% more uncomfortable, but the only way I'll get to the 40 is by carrying the 50, is by carrying the ones before, by carrying the 30. So Galatians 5 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Those are the characteristics with a God focus that we'll adopt. That will be our outlook. So that again is, is life-changing. You know, when we give over, God can take over. Very often, because we've been on one side of the road for so long, we miss the greater blessing that was waiting all the while on the other side of the road. But our failed outcomes kept us trapped, and we never dared cross over. It's not so much that your present or your future is your problem or a barrier from you getting the best from your life moving forward from this point. It's the story of everything you've done or experienced in the past that's constantly playing of a movie in your head that is your greatest barrier. Have you ever stopped to critically think for a moment, how would your life look right now without your story? If you remove that story of editing, of ego, of, of negativity, do you think you'd be more open? Would you see things as more of an opportunity rather than a setback? Would you function better? Would you have more potential? I'm putting these questions out to you. The fact is, while you have a breath in your body at this very moment means there's a mandate still on your life. It's not by accident or coincidence. As being created in God's likeness, you have something very profound to accomplish. You know, just this thought by itself should give you a powerful outlook that makes your outcomes obsolete. If I have my God outlook, I'm not rocked or moved by outcomes, as I'm assured that all things are working for good, not just some. It says all. Outcomes are the fear-based version of you. Outlooks are the face version-based of you. So it's important to get past identifying yourself with the world. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what others think of me. This will keep you trapped on outcomes, as this way of thinking is sustained on the getting of something and not the giving of self. This is bondage that you can remain in for the rest of your life if you've not addressed it. You're not here as a human being, again, having a spiritual moment. You're a spiritual being having a human moment. We're about to take a break, and I'm going to talk more in the next segment. We're going to cover life as as the journey of perfection, how we can get aligned with making improvements, and we're going to work on takeouts. It's been great talking to you in the second segment. I love you much and I'm looking forward to speaking to you at the beginning of the next segment. Thank you.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Are you ready for a health, life, and empowerment show in one? Then be sure to listen every week for Living Well with Ann Beale. Ann takes her long-running TV show to the Internet talk radio airwaves with guest experts and insight designed to help you live a healthy and successful life. By hearing from the experts and those who have found success, our goal is that you too will be motivated to do the same. Living Well with Ann Beale can be heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like
0: we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: You are tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guests today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions.
2: Welcome back to the third segment. We were talking about how we're going to shift from outcomes to outlooks. I hope you're enjoying the show right now. This is It's an honor and a pleasure and a blessing to me to do that. Thank you. You Give all the glory to God, but also I thank you for your time. So we need to shift. How do we get into, how do we break this outcome thing? We're talking about how this keeps us trapped. We need to basically shift past our past, our current mind thinking that's got us to this place. We need to embrace that all we've been through was to get us to this very moment we're in right now. And by virtue of still being alive, you're an overcomer. So you can't be a not an overcomer because what you have been through, you've already triumphed. You've already gone through everything to this minute. So you can then start to embrace that all you've been through is a ladder. Each step is required to get you to the next step. So each day is required to get you to the next day. Each challenge and the strength gained is to set you up for the next one. It's with the end goal, if you look at it as life as a ladder, of getting to the top of the ladder. That's our end goal. So I could basically land the plane on this metaphor, but I'm going to plow further. When you are standing on a step and you look down, you see the steps that you've left behind you. You can ponder and ask this question, what's making me go up? It can't be the steps that I've already walked on. They can't make me go up anymore to the next one. The same way nothing that you've left behind in your life is responsible for where you are going in your life from this moment forward. It's the belief that God still has more and greater things are yet to come that propels you to the next step. So you need each step to get to the top, but the one that you find yourself on right now is the most important one for you to reach your place of perfection. And this message, again, is for somebody. If you've had stuff happen in the past, let it go. Forgive them. Forgive them empower yourself and give them the ability not to be responsible. So it's a two for one. Whatever's happened before is going to step you. Don't let that impede you to get to the next step. You need to believe that whatever you're in, greater is coming to continue scaling that ladder. There is no past. As all of, All you ever have is this present moment you're in. It's not how we view the past that will get in the way, but how our outlook is in the present. And Isaiah tells us, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay and you're the potter. So we're all the work of your hand. What this really means is that we're God's work as he shapes us through trials and circumstances to be a sharper instrument. He knows because he created you and me, he knows our human propensity for pride and resistance. Don't we all have that? It is often only when we're going through a serious trial for us to then gain a willingness to seek help and assistance. I mean, how many people when they get hit in a car crash, you see them the first thing or they fall down and hurt themselves. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm hearing people using this all along. They don't know why they're using it because probably they're not believers. But something inside them was created the same way you and I were in his likeness. And that's the first word they say. Oh, my God, when something happens. So it's on our moment of weakness that we're sometimes able to seek help and assistance. So there are, the Bible verse refers to people in their transgressions. They then feel that they are to be saved. It must be mere sovereignty of God and they will implore his interposition and to mold them in his will. That's really what it means. It means that he molds us. So at times in our life, the pain is greater than us. So we turn to addictive behaviors. We turn to anger. We turn to all of those too muches, the antidepressants, just to deal with the pain. Very simply, your life and my life is like a pressure cooker as what goes in must surely come out. So the perfect time to give it to God as he will give you strength and through you, calm you through the storms and peace and the turmoil and the purpose to fill the pain. So the perfect time is, of course, when you are struggling, but the perfect time is all the time. So because this will always manifest, it will always be trials and circumstances that will go in that pressure cooker. And if they're not dealt with, they'll come out in all of these undesirable behaviors. So with God, there's always more. I just want to tell you, he's, he's a God of more. David, who killed Goliath with a stone, he became king of Israel. So for him, there was more. Daniel in the lion's den. So the king opened the door the following morning and asked Daniel, are you still there? He said, I was, I'm was. i there. I'm still here. So for him, there was more. Rahab was a prostitute who biblical scholars have interpreted as a model of hospitality, mercy, faith, patience, and repentance in her interactions with Joshua's spies. So, She was thus the harlot of Jericho became a paragon of virtue. So for her, there was more. Esther found favor with the king as he loved her more than any other woman. So he delighted with her that he gave her the royal crown. So for her, there was more. For Moses, there was more. Jonah went against God's wishes and he went to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. So God gave him another chance by delivering him after three days in a whale's mouth to Nineveh. So for him, there was more. Friends, you can either look through the crack in the window to see outcomes or the larger window pane to see the outlook of an unlimited possibility. I mean, you basically get to choose. We can look at now at some takeouts. We can actually self-coach ourselves for outlooks. How am I going to use my outlooks? So really, I ask, number one thing I ask, what outlooks, perspectives and beliefs and um, values and ideals do you currently hold about yourself, about your life and where it's going? And then you can look at where did your outlooks come from? Where did you get them from? Did you get them from life experiences? Did you get them from studying, from reading? Where did those current outlooks challenge your um, outlooks? Challenge them if they're not bringing you the best in life. If they're more of an outcome, you'll be able to define that for yourself. Which ones no longer serve you? Very simply, some outlooks that we've had are no longer ones that are current in our lives. If we had an outlook to get married and we're now married, obviously our outlook now is to support our family. If we have an outlook to get healed and we've currently been healed, obviously our outlook has changed. Whatever we have been in with an outlook needs to be modified. We don't stay with the same outlook because life is a process. It's a process of improving and getting better. So they may outgrow you. It's all in seasons. Which outlooks are causing you to play safe and not live up to your potential. Very often, like it describes you, the hamster on the wheel, we get to a place in life that we achieve certain things, we achieve certain goals, and we think that's it. We think, I, well, I'm now comfortable, I've got all of these things lined up, but I will tell you, that will create eventually mundanity, it'll create apathy, it'll create a certain blindness to the greatness that's in your breath. Do not waste your life thinking that that's all it has. Very often, a lot of things will not be accomplished because we simply stop praying because we think that's all that there is for us. You can be 80 years old and there's still something more. I know people doing amazing things at at those ages. I know people in their 90s still running marathons faster than I can run it. So let's not get caught up in, oh, whoa, this is me. This is all I've got. How can you adopt more empowering outlooks. How can you empower yourself? We've said our focus, our current focus will determine our destination. What are we looking at for renewal? Are we st- reading books of empowerment? Are we reading books of possibility? Are we doing like the first story in Ron Winsky about a, a man who, Yon, who actually gave up part of his his purpose to actually walk life to raise money, to raise $80,000 for someone who was shot criminally shot and who was paralyzed in a wheelchair? Are we empowering ourselves and looking at things like that? So what are we What are we using to empower ourselves, to encourage us? Just like I've explained before, a computer has to be connected to a power outlet to be recharged. So there's your iPhone. Where are you recharging? Are you focusing on media that will bring you outcomes and not outlooks, or are you focusing on surrounding yourself with positivity? Because what you create for yourself in your mind as a seed will ultimately be what your outlook is, and your outlook will create your outcome. So very simply, we need to correct our outlooks to correct our outcome. How do we empower ourselves? How do we cultivate more curiosity about life? How do we go further? Even if things have not gone right, And that's very simply because we've had an agenda that hasn't been met. And that agenda sometimes is paralyzing us from going forward because it's not really our agenda. We've said in this show, it's God's plan and purpose. Did, did I enjoy my mother passing away from a tragic accident? No, but the agenda was to write a book that's coming out on August the 6th with Random House with an affiliate of them to do the show and to do greater things. So very simply, that cultivated a curiosity. Sometimes losing a marriage or having someone die or having money that, that we lose keeps us stuck. It keeps us stymied because it hasn't been our outcome We put it on outcomes, which is based on ego. It's based on the getting of something, not on the way we're created as being, which is our outlook. We already know that what we have is not our value. What we have is an illusion of the ego, the car we have. It can be a Rolls Royce. It can be a big house. You know, I buried two parents. My father had quite a lot. But you know what? The coffin only contained the man in a pinstripe suit. So it's what you're doing from your heart that will remain very simply how you're impacting. People will not remember you for your car. They'll remember you for how you lifted them up when they were down, how you encouraged them, how you maybe helped someone who was sick for a while and you took them some food, how you just called somebody up to encourage them maybe in prayer or even words. So your value is invaluable. There's no value to be placed in your being because that is higher. Just as the bird's, fly. God loves them. He loves us so much more. And it was said in the field, the fields possess flowers that are greater than King Solomon's cloaks. So nothing that can be bought can add to your value. So we need to have that also to develop that as our outlook. Our outlook is from inside out. How are we valuing? This will create curiosity for life. We need to also adopt, these are all takeouts, an attitude of gratitude A true appreciation for life and many blessings and gifts that you've had is your ability to be thankful and grateful will bring so much more happiness and meaning to whatever happens in your life. Just as the Apostle Paul said, consider it all joy that I'm experiencing these trials and circumstances. Yes, I'm not grateful for the things that I've been through and the tragedies I've been, but I'm grateful in them because I know that. And where I am today. I am grateful because I've got a God focus, not a world focus, not a focus on needing more to make myself happy. It's actually needing less is wealth, needing more is poverty. And I'll explain that you can have a 30 million dollar house and still be in poverty because you're looking at LeBron James, who has 300 million in the bank and has all this acclaim so it doesn't matter. You could be living in Malibu in a $50 million house. You look at LeBron James and you feel, well, I don't get the acclaim he does, so you're living in poverty. But you can be living in one room and have all you need. So it's really your attitude of gratitude that will determine how wealthy you are. Are you cultivating an outlook of optimism, a sense of hope and the ability to find the best out of people and situations? Because there's something to find. I had a A situation with my brother and now we've developed such a closeness after all these years because it was my god focus that predicated a change in him and now he has a god focus so he sees me not as an adversary but he sees me as a friend we're all going through this journey together no one's cutting you up in their car because they're not taking anything from you they're trying to get what they think they need to get into peace we must remember that People are not doing things to you. They're acting out of a void inside of them. They all want to connect to God. They all want to connect to a happiness. Who doesn't want the best life? They're not sure how to get it because they're focusing on the news media, on world focus, not on a God focus. So you need to focus on getting from within you to know that you've got all you need. It doesn't matter someone's got more. That's their story with God. We, we don't need to be PhDs and other people. But we need to focus and be PhDs on our own life. Do you have an outlook of compassion? So the capacity to empathize and feel for your fellow human being. You listen and understand others better by picturing yourself in their shoes. So very simply, sometimes... Soldiers that have been through a lot, generals that have been through a lot have need scars. And it's those scars, everything I've been through the last 12 years has given me a time to listen to people. I spoke to a young man yesterday who's having a lot of psychological problems. I didn't charge him for my service, which is normally quite a lot of money. I sat for an hour and a half in a coffee shop and I gave him my time. I wanted to see a basketball playoff, but I missed the game. And I put my compassion for him before that game. That really is 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 being the mission. You don't need to be in a church. The church is your heart. You can take that anywhere you go. So the parable of the Good Samaritan was Jesus in the story. He's the hospice. He gave the hospice money and said, anything that you need, I'll come back and pay you. The other two who knew the law of the Bible, one the the priest and one the levite they walked right by. So they knew it, but didn't apply it. It's what you do from your heart that will predicate that will predicate what you are going to be. So the outcome you get is determined by your outlook. Have empathy on people. You'll be able to respect yourself and others more and serve the world better with your gifts. You have been given these gifts, as I said in the parable. You'll be able to see yourself better by valuing yourself more and then see others in the world better. That's the problem. We see ourselves badly. We're a very unloving people. So, I really want to thank God for making this show possible and for you for allowing me to speak into your life. Wherever you are today, I love you. There's far more for you. There was far more for those people I read to you from the Bible. There's far more for your life, friend. Just go develop your outlook, and I look forward to speaking to you next time. May the Lord bless you.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of New Dimensions. Please join Reverend Nicholas Barrett again next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a blessed week.